Welcome to The Deciders. This is Renee Frazier, founder and CEO of Frazier Communications. We're the leading woman-owned and woman-led marketing and communications firm in Southern California. But my show, The Deciders, is really an opportunity to explore issues and to learn. We feature leaders, change agents, people who share their stories, insights, and can give us insights that help our businesses grow, as well as the impact we have on our communities. On The Deciders, we often explore how we can help women advance into greater leadership roles. I ask people about their tips, their practical experience, their own experience and insights, and ask them to shine a light on other successful women leaders and entrepreneurs. We're based here on the West Coast, but we're not the only radio show with this goal. Today, I want to introduce my guest, Sue Rocco. She is the founder and host of Women to Watch Media. Women with the number two, Watch Media. Women to Watch Media is a radio show, podcast, and a digital platform based out of Philadelphia. She runs on a station in New York as well as Philadelphia. She also seeks to inspire and encourage women to pursue leadership roles. Like myself and the show The Deciders, Sue and I want to bring attention to successful women, allow them to discuss not only their successes, their challenges, future aspirations, and to mentor and encourage other women. Sue, welcome to The Deciders. Thank you so much, Renee. This is this is quite a treat for me and unusual to be on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> delighted to have you. I know you're going to do a fabulous job. I you know, it's interesting. We are both uh, pursuing similar goals, helping to empower women and provide them with information that can help them become leaders or even higher leadership roles. We came at this, though, from different backgrounds. I'm uh, the CEO of a advertising and marketing firm, and I've been in business for over 20 years. You came to the idea of doing a radio talk show from a very different place. Explain your personal journey. Well, that's, um, I always, I always say that's a big question. It's a big loaded question only because uh, I'm a great example of it's never too late. And I, I did not start my radio show until the age of 48. And it came after many, many years of working really hard on myself to find my confidence, my, my own voice and um, pursue what I had always wanted to do. And even as a young girl, I had wanted to be in media. Uh, I dreamt of being a journalist. And it all stems from my innate um, passion and just love of people and their own life stories. I really can't get enough of that. So, you know, I, I went off to Villanova with a big pipe dream to be in media and I majored in communications and I graduated and took a job with an ad agency. Ironically, you may have recalled Waitman advertising. I'm not sure they were a big firm back in the eighties. And, uh, and then I spent a couple of years at the Philadelphia museum of art and in, in public relations. Um, and then I basically just hopped from job to job, to job, to job. And all those years while I was taking different positions, there was this nagging feeling that I had inside of me. I really just was struggling with feeling as though 
there was something else I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And I think it's a very common angst that mm-hmm. you know, men and women have, human beings have it. And I think some of us dive deep and try to figure that out. And others, I think, get lost in the, you know, the everyday doings of life and don't pay as much attention to that, that inner voice. We also talk about how important that is, right? I'm sure you and I have both interviewed women and men who talk about listening to that intuition Mm -hmm. and that inner voice and being willing uh, to take it at face value. For many times, especially when we were growing up as women in the business world, men were the most of the role models. And there was a lack of willingness to attend to those inner feelings. But as you're saying, you were you you had the courage, right, to figure out what, what is this coming from? Yeah, and just a just a deep, deep desire to um to be happier, you know. Um and it's ironic because you know, I did have a, a and have a very wonderful full life. Um I'm married. I have my children. I have a tremendous network of family and friends um, here in the Philadelphia area and really across the country. All of those things were in line, but something was missing. And what I say often on the show, the tagline for my show is the real story behind her title, because my belief is that everything that we believe, everything that guides our decisions and the way we think about things is tied directly to our childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're, you're a so- social psychologist, right? Oh, that's so right. You probably will appreciate what I'm describing. I think in order for any one of us to be able to live that fullest life, you have to come to terms, recognize, analyze, what happened to you as a child and um, either let go of those hard things or appreciate more the good things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where the courage comes from. Nobody wants to really talk about their childhood. And I think there's a lot of emotion there. There's, there's things that um, hurt when you look back and my, I think keeping uh, certain things close to the vest in private is a significant thing that holds people back. I agree. It can cause a lot of damage. It causes a lot of anxiety. uh, And it can uh, uh, hold back your confidence, your Uh, self-esteem. That's why, of course, a lot of people use therapy. And I agree with you. The older I get, the more I see the relevance of childhood patterns and role models having an impact on the way I behave and then what I even see among my colleagues and employees. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that a show came out this year um, that I thought, gosh, I wonder why they haven't done this a long, long time ago. And it it was called This Is Us. And it actually continually flashes back to the um, childhood of each individual cast member. And it's brilliant in its ability to show why people think and, and emote the way they do. It is. It's a, yeah. it's a high-ranked, well, well-watched show, and I think you're right. They're also very flawed people in the normal way, right? They, everyone has an issue, even what appears to be successful on the outside. There are these inner issues, and it sounds like that was part of your experience, right? You have a high-quality life, but may I ask, what kinds of issues did you have to confront in, in yeah. your childhood? Um, 
And, and it's interesting too, because I really did all the deep diving on my own. And um, the reason for that is I think um, there were two things holding me back um, as, a, as a child, shame and anxiety. You know, you mentioned an anxiety and, and I truly believe that a lot of that serious anxiety to the point of panic attacks that I suffered came from um, keeping a secret about my dad being an alcoholic. Um, the moment I started to talk about that opening, like I'm doing with you here today, was a huge moment in my life um, because I spent, I think, a lot of years angry with mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. because of that. And, you know, things didn't happen that I wanted to happen a certain way. And what I came to learn was, um, first of all, anyone who suffers from addiction, it's it's a horrific life sentence, you know, and, and people um, have it on multiple levels, have it for multiple reasons, yes. and deal with it in multiple ways. Um, and when, when I was a child, everything on the exterior of our home life and our surroundings and our neighborhood and our community was that everything was wonderful. And behind closed doors, you know, things were not. And so we were putting on this persona and there, it, and it was an absolute secret mm. from our closest friends and family. Mm. And so I was raised with this belief that something, you know, was shameful and we're not to share it. Um, I think that had a huge part on my struggling um, to find my voice. I because see. there was this part of me that was pretending. Mm-hmm. And, but my desire to find my voice was stronger than my fear. And so, um, you know, I had one of those incredible, truly aha moments. Um, I shared this with Darlene and it was a Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., August 7th of 2012. Oh, my goodness. And you remember it. it must have been quite an epiphany. Oh, I remember vividly. Um, the word original came to me in an extremely powerful way. And it kind of woke me up to this reality that if we're all one of a kind beings, truly rare, one of a kind, there's no one else like each one of us, then we have something completely different to offer the world than anyone else. And in that moment, I thought, wow, you know, that's one of the miracles of life. And if that is true, then I can go out into the world as Sue Rocco today, beginning this very moment as myself and bring something that's unique. And so I stopped looking at others and comparing myself and thinking, you know, the rest of the world was smarter and better. Um, It was a huge, huge moment for me. And that was the beginning. And then, you know, opening up like that has allowed me to, to continue to learn incredible life lessons. I love that. I mean, I think that notion of being true to ourselves and being willing to do that inner work is so important. Uh, I expect, suspect many people have done that during this pandemic. And it's been a time when we've been forced to be alone and be with ourselves or a limited number of people and do a lot of self-reflection. I must ask, now that you have the radio show, do you ask the women on your show to 
reveal things about themselves or share their own journeys. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, I do. I mean, that I, I, <clears throat> I describe my show as connecting the dots between the little girl and the leader she is today, because I don't believe you can tell anyone's story without starting at the beginning. And um, what I'm trying to do is, you know, so who were you? Who, what were your aspirations and challenges as a young girl? And how did, you, how did you manage to land a top spot in spite of that? Because so much talk today around women's leadership is all of the barriers. And, you know, we, we haven't gotten there yet. And um, there's a reason, and I believe it has more to do with our belief in ourselves mm-hmm. than it does exterior things. Um, and so, and you'll appreciate this, Renee, you know, some women are very open and they come in and they share and, and perhaps they've even written books already about their life right. story and it's right. public. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Sometimes I have women that are a little more guarded, you know, they want to keep things close to the vest. Uh-huh. And, um, I think I have the ability to kind of create a, a, a safe place to be able to tell as much of their story as they want. And we still talk about their industry and what they're doing and kind of tie it all together because it really is the most exciting time for women, I think, in history. I agree. Right? For opportunities. We're seeing a much higher percentage, almost uh, 26% women on corporate boards. We're seeing women in the C-suite at a higher level, not yet CEOs at the level it should be. We've made a lot of progress. I find in the interviews, I've been doing this now for three years, uh, that Women are, uh, when you talk like this with them, they're much more willing to reveal what they believe have been their um, uh, mistakes, but also their strengths and where they found them. And I will say in most of the interviews, they come from their parents, very often their mother, or in some cases, their father. And the other commonality I find, I'm going to ask you if you've discovered any, is that uh, parents believing in them was critical. Parents saying that you can do whatever you want to do without uh, necessarily uh, alluding to all the barriers, because I'm talking about women who grew up in the 50s and the 60s uh, before there was as much freedom as there is now. Uh, But the sense that the parents saw unlimited potential and that made the young girl see her own potential and be willing to be in touch with it as opposed to being guarded against it or feeling like they had to follow a particular corridor or as we say now, a lane, right? And uh, that, that, uh, that reflecting back the value that you have from your parents can be so fundamental to your success. But that's one thing I have seen. Share with me what you found that uh, are common themes as women reflect on connecting the dots, as you said, from- Yeah, I, yeah I couldn't agree more, Renee, with that statement, because if I were to tell you how many, I've been doing this for nine years, And the women to me that really have reached the pinnacle of success in their fields and had that same confidence when they were young, very often had incredible relationships with their fathers. And their fathers were the ones that said, you can do and be anything you want in this world. And I think there is a difference between um, a man or a woman saying that, a mother, a father, because as women... We innately do that for and with each other all the time. I think mm-hmm. we're naturally, right? We're cheerleaders and we and always, we're nurturers. We want to. Oh my yes. gosh. Yeah. We, we, we lift each other up. 
Um, men are, don't do that innately. And so for a father to say to his daughter, listen, you don't let anything hold you back. You can do it. Um, you're more apt to believe it. And so that is, that is very common. Um, I also see a commonality in women who have had extreme adversity. I mean, you know, there's, so there's different levels of challenge, right? That things that people have gone through. I've had women on the show that just horrific, horrific stories and beginnings, their strength and confidence comes from the resilience and their determination to have a better life than what they had. I see that a lot, um, probably often in, in children with divorced parents, mm-hmm. you know, there's a sadness there. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want that, but but often I think it's this the one them wanting to be independent financially, right? Right. So exactly. if they were poor, they are going to make a life where they don't ever have to to rely on a man. You know, exactly for their I hear, yes. I hear that as well. They want to be independent and they want to be able to march to their own tune. If they were under the thumb or under poverty or under some kind of a terrible challenge and. Uh, some of those people have the strength uh, of uh, the most strength, and I admire them very, very, very much. Uh, obviously, when you talk to women of color, I see even a higher incidence of that, where yes. they've come from a real tragedy. I will say the other thing I find, uh, particularly with my the black women I've interviewed on the show, I have quite a few success. We have a lot in Los Angeles. I've had quite a few of them on the show, and they often find their strength from other women. They grew up with aunts and grandmothers. Uh, and uh, they find that uh, the, the, they're surrounded by love. There's so much love and expectation that it reflects on who they are. They feel loved. They feel appreciated. They feel worthy. And I'll tell you, we've been just doing a campaign about, believe it or not, methamphetamine, trying to get people not to use it in rural areas. And the key nugget that we found is people didn't feel they were worthy. Uh, my life's going to go to crappy anyway. What difference does it make? You know, I can feel great when I take this drug. So now there's a whole program to create mentors, to get them involved in programs so they feel worthy mm-hmm. and messaging around that to as an op- as a preventive tool, right, instead of taking drugs. Uh, so this sense of being worthy. Now, we, we haven't talked about the obvious side of this, which is men, right? They, they, they get that kind of positive feedback pretty early on, don't they? Yeah. Children. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I was the middle of three. I have two brothers. Um, And, you know, I grew up in a very traditional Irish Catholic family. And when I say that, anybody who's Irish Catholic listening knows what that means. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, coping skills in that culture, um, I always say, are are three things. um, Humor, sarcasm, and drinking, drinking, you know. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So it's very um, superficial. Everything is is at a certain level. And I was keep it away. You deflect it, deflect yes. it with sarcasm, deflect it with humor, distract yes. yourself with alcohol. Absolutely. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about the the things that really matter and life. And I was this little kid always asking the big questions like, what is the meaning of life and why are we here? And I had no one to talk to about that. You know, my, my family would make fun of me or that, you know, I was looked at, I would say, and, you know, as naive 
Mm -hmm. uh, rose colored glasses kind of person. And I took that as a negative. Um, I now see that completely different. I, I think there's a tremendous value to, um, you may have talked about this on the show, emotional quotient, you know, EQ. Yeah. So I was, you know, I, I, school was never easy for me. Um, so that's where my, everyone else is so much smarter came from. And when I grew up to learn about the power and the gift of emotional, um, you know, intelligence, intelligence right? Intelligence. Your sensitivity, your empathy skills, right? The ability to connect with people, understand the intu intuitiveness is, is so much higher. All of that um, helped boost my own uh, confidence and, and belief. Good for so, you. Yeah. Those are uh, uh, truly strains of women. I believe they're genetically uh, based. Uh, that because of the nature, even if you think back to the, you know, the way we evolved, uh, the men out hunting and the women guy, uh, guarding, if you will, and uh, 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 befriending and nesting, if you will, around, in, you know, the children and the rest of the, the group, we had to be sensitive to those needs and those feelings and understand them and read signs in the environment. So women in a meeting can read body language much faster than men. They understand how to build bridges. They listen differently. And we know that women's brains are even wired differently than men. We have a stronger corpus callosum in the middle, and it allows us to make connections between the right and the left side of the brain, meaning uh, the emotional experiences and the rational. And I think that we also hold those longer. We know that we have uh, Actually, women's amygdala. I, I'll, I'll stop talking about this in a moment. No, I love this. I love this. <laughs> our, our, our fear levels are higher than men. And uh, because of, I think, probably, again, a natural inclination to protect others and to protect yourself. Uh, and uh, besides fight and flight, women do nest and befriend. But the point is that... Uh, because of that fear, we're also much more sensitive and remember things. So don't talk to that client about Ford cars because they had a bad car and they are embarrassed about what they made. <laughs> right. And so as we as we banter about with uh, friends, clients, family members, they're more astute as to how to steer the conversation to be positive and to make sure everybody has a, uh, you know, the, the, the right kind of reaction in business. It really helps women. And, and as you said, EQ has become much more dominant than IQ. Mm -hmm. And women, uh, that's one of the reasons I think women are surpassing men in many, in many uh, uh, roles, uh, particularly as you see in education and healthcare, right? yeah. where caring for people yes. is so important. Yes. I, you know, I love the fact that we can share these kinds of um, a different uh, common perspectives and, and, and thoughts. I love your history and I admire you for sharing as much as you have. May I ask tough situations? What tough things have you been in? Have you experienced either from interviewing and or in your business career as you moved around? Oh, well, you know, that. Since day one, um, you know, I basically walked into a radio station with an idea for a show and no background or, you know, education in broadcasting. So um, I really didn't know the business of radio. And so the greatest challenge, I'm sure you can appreciate this, has been um, advertising and sponsorship. Yes. And, you know, it, it's kind of a catch when you start and no one knows who you are and you don't have an audience yet and you have no numbers. Right. So I always, I love to share that I reached out immediately to, you know, family and friends and said, Hey, I have this radio show and you have to advertise with me. 
Um, but to sustain that for nine years has been hard, but it's also something I'm so proud of because one of the things I think is really important, and this this would, you know, whenever I'm asked to, to give, first of all, advice to me is I always say, the best advice you'll ever receive is your own. I, I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. But what I love to share is what happened for me and what worked for me, and, and maybe it'll stick with someone. Um, figuring out the why of what you're doing is the most important thing. So we can talk about women in leadership all day long, but why does it matter? Right. Right. So for me, it's very simple. It's very clear. I believe what the world, the planet has been missing is women in positions of authority and, and, you know, opportunities to create policy and make decisions and be in rooms where, you know, important things are happening. And that is why we have all of the social issues that we do. So women have never, ever been in equal, you know, numbers of, of leadership. And what I yearn for is peace. Yes. Peace. I mean, peace is the number one word that comes to me every, every since I was little. Well, how can, you know, so that's the vision, you know, how can we have world peace? Um, we won't if we don't have women making important decisions, critical, yeah, right? Couldn't okay. agree more. That's exactly so that, my why. That's the same reason. So it's the same reason. And so when I know that and I go in and sit in front of a, you know, the director of marketing at a Fortune 500 and I share my passion for why I'm sharing stories, it resonates with people. Um, and, you know, I, I created kind of a unique business model for the show, which is um, my watch team of on-air contributors who are all women who are in leadership positions within their companies and they have a two-minute segment as part of the show every week. And they bring their expertise and their news, you know, and their education and health and science and business and, you know, technology. And that has really sustained the show. And it's built out the content and made it a, you know, more valuable and richer show around my intimate one-on-one interview, which... What? Smart. Very, very smart. So we've yeah. come to the end of our interview, but I'll tell you, I, I originally started with a two-minute show, two minutes with. So I, I totally get it, and I think it makes so much sense. Congratulations on your on your Thank success. You. Thank you, Renee. I appreciate it. This has been a a fascinating time on The Deciders. We want to thank Sue Rocco. You can hear our podcast anytime on our website at FraserCommunications.com. We're a full-service advertising and marketing firm. Contact us at that website, FraserCommunications.com, to learn more. We'll be back next week. Have a wonderful week ahead. And we'll be back next week here on The Deciders with Renee Frazier.